Nuno and João are partners from The Walking Mentorship, and they bring the inside look in the life of the people they walk with. The podcast Keep Walking With Me searches for potential solutions towards the best version of ourselves. Every month, we walk together with a guest. There is a disclaimer that needs to be shared. After listening to this program, you might feel the urge to step outside and go for a long walk. But don't worry, that is absolutely normal. Welcome to the podcast, Keep Walking With Me. Today, we have another special guest walking and talking with us. So let's get started. In a nutshell, who is Sofia Borges? Oh my God, for a talkative person like me, that when you start with a nutshell. So <laughs> I'm a 52-year-old woman, a mom of three boys, uh, and I think I'm a rare type because normally you have people that are visionaires, so people that have the, 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 the ideas, and then they, it's, it's good when they're surrounded by people that like to put things in practice. And I'm a little bit of both. I, you know, I'm the one that has the crazy ideas, but then I love putting things into practice. I love seeing them work. I, I love carrying through. Uh, it's not just about the idea. I love seeing it in, into practice. I think this, this would be me. <laughs> That's so a, a wonderful, actually uh, rare uh, breed of person. Uh, it is right, and, and it, and it. That's uh, I was listening and thinking, and it. That's really rare. But um, um, you know, um, let's go a little bit deeper into what has been so many years of your life and career, because you spend a good portion of your life dedicated to pedagogy, education projects. I I'm, I wonder what is so special about education for you to dedicate so much energy? Oh, I think education saved my life, you know. Um, it, even though I don't think I've always worked in education, at the same time, I think I've always worked in education. So when I finished my, my, my secondary education, I wanted to go into theater or journalism. And even though my family was one of those uh, rare families, you know, this was 50 years ago, that it was a family mostly of women where we brought up, we were brought up to think that we could do anything, we could accomplish anything that we set our minds to it. On the other hand, it was like, what do you mean theater? That's crazy. No one makes a living out of theater. What do you mean journalism? <laughs> so I find myself finishing education, finishing my secondary education, having to apply for university. It sounds ridiculous, the idea of having to apply, but you know, I was convinced that, okay, now I need to do this. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted, I wanted theater or journalism, but with one of the, with both of them out of the way, it was like, what am I going to do? And then I have this friend of mine that she says, oh, I'm applying for this course called international relations has a little bit of law, a little bit of economics, a little bit of languages, history. And I thought, okay. I felt that once you leave high school, you don't know much. So you finished your, you know, your, your compulsory education. And I used to listen to my, my, I lived with my mom, my aunt and my grandmother and their conversations were so 
um, smart, you know, they would talk about politics and about arts, and I understood nothing of what they were discussing. <laughs> so this course felt interesting because then I could understand what they were talking about. And indeed, that course gave me that, but I could not see myself doing any of that, even though, you know, being ambassador or stuff like that could have been interesting. But then I started working when I was 17, I think, in this consultancy group. First, you know, taking Xerox for the courses that they would run. Very quickly, I started doing telemarketing and I sort of fell in love with all this. And if you think about it, it was a company, a Swedish company, quite strong in training, sales training, sales, leadership, communication, all that stuff. And in a way, it's already education. Um, and it's Indeed. about sort of transforming and, and impacting how people do things compared to the way, not they should, but you know, transforming their skills, transforming their their approach about stuff, you know, when we're talking about leaders that they should be more motivators. And it's when when we started talking about personal effectiveness and and, and coaching and all of that. So it was really, really interesting to be a part of that. And imagine I was 18. So it was like stunning that you could be part of, of the companies that were trying to transform the culture and, and started having vision and mission and values. So to be a part of that was really exciting. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. And then how I got into specifically education was uh, with this Swedish company, at some point I went to Brazil, well, Latin America, and we were responsible for the training in that company for all Latin America. And then my oldest son was born there. And when he was about two, I wanted to come back to Portugal. You know, my family is from here. My roots are here. So for me, that was important as a place to raise my, my son. And then when I started to look for a school for him, I was astonished by the gap between what we in, in companies were asking of people in terms of skills and attitude, et cetera. And then schools were like in another planet. I wouldn't even say another extreme. It was like in another planet, you know, they're sitting kids down, telling them that they can paint outside the lines. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm not gonna put my son here. It didn't make sense, you know, like we're preparing for this life but the kind of, 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 of education that we're providing is not preparing them for this life. So then you have to go through training, transformation, and it's so hard to, in Portuguese, there's this saying that's right? But then there we are, we are educating kids in, in, in a certain way, but then we ask of them totally different skills once they get to, let's call it real life. And that for me was just, preposterous you know and I felt okay there's got to be different ways of doing that and then I did find a school in in Rstil that was teaching with this American model called high scope and I thought okay I think I might do this and you know a crazy person is never alone so everyone around me was going yes you should do that if you're set your mind to it you're going to do it 
And that's how I decided to open a school. And, and it really did completely transform my life. It, 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 I always say that it saved me. It sounds like this religious thing, but it's not. It's, it saved me because it got me back to me. You know, when I started dealing with kids and, and, and you know, doing classes and, well, working in this way that, I, you know, it's this positive education, they call it now. I started seeing myself in, in such a different way. You know, you don't have to be that person in a suit that goes to companies and, and sell contracts and this and that. You can just be you. And they love you for you. So, and this is this, this really, really, really happy place, you know. Uh, and that's how I started in education about 20 years ago. So if you put plus <laughs> the other 15 that I worked in training, I mean, I've always been in, in education. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Sophia, for sharing that with us. But, but I'm curious because um, you, you've spoken so much about education, but is it true that inside that educator is still... Um, a tiny dancer living inside. Sorry, sorry, I didn't understand. There's still a tiny dancer living inside you, or or did she get lost when you <laughs> dropped her off dancing? <laughs> My gosh, you found out about that. Yeah, oh no, no. Well, there is a dancer, but you know, my my grandmother, she was a pianist. A classical pianist. And at that time, back in that time. In, in, in the conservatory, in the ballet school, the classes were, uh, the, the music for the classes was played by real pianists. And my grandmother did that. So whether we'd like it or not, all her grandchildren had to go into that. Now, here you don't really see what I look like, but you, if, if you would see me, you would see, I do not fall under the, the prototype of a ballerina. You know, my hair didn't get all straight because I have really curly hair. Um, so it was a huge struggle for me to fit in that thing. And I think I, I maybe I can't talk about the music yet, but that sort of explains a little bit. I, I, I felt like an alien in that place because I had nothing to do with that. But on the other hand, I loved dancing. I loved music. I had drama there. So it was really, really important for the person I am today to have had the possibility of that experience. But on the other hand, it was really horrible because I didn't fit any of that because it's really strict. And so mm -hmm. everything that for me is dancing, which is you know your body talking and, and just expressing itself, there you do not have the possibility for any of that. So, but it did not kill the dancer in me. You know. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> but following up on that, do you want to share the first music with us? Yeah, maybe I'll share this one about the Englishman in New York by Sting, because mm -hmm. uh, that's how I felt a lot of my life, you know, because, you know, my everyone had straight hair, I had curly hair. All the girls loved dolls and I loved cars and balls and all that thing. I love driving. Uh, like I said, you know, I'm, I, I, I have the ideas, the visions, but I love putting it into practice. 
uh, I only wear skirts, you know, but then I'm very strong-willed, things that you could like relate to manly qualities. So I've always felt until, until I, I ended up in education, I always felt like an Englishman in New York, you know, you feel like an alien. <laughs> You're an outsider, imagine. When I was in high school, I loved skipping classes and playing cards and all of that. But I was a, an A-star student and I loved reading. So all the teachers loved and hated me at the same time. <laughs> so I always did feel a bit like this weird character. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to the legal alien. See, my dear, I like my toast on one side. You can hear it in my accent when I talk. I'm an Englishman in New York. You see me walking down Fifth Avenue, walking cane here at my side. Takes a man to suffer 
Well, thank you very much. That's always a good music to go back and uh, refresh <laughs> our memory. Um, well, Sophia, let's talk a little bit about technology and the education, uh, because it seems that they kind of are meant to occupy the same territory. Either we like it or not. So my question for you is, what is the right balance when you need to bring together technology and education? And does it have to be like a war or can we move forward amplifying the learning experience uh, when you bring technology and education together? What are your thoughts on this? Oh, you must amplify. I mean, it's only ridiculous if you don't. It's like chat GPT now, you know, you can either be scared of it or you can see how to make the best out of it, how, how it can make the learning experience um, more efficient, more relevant, more, uh, I think, well, I think balance is always the biggest challenge in life, you know, where is, where is the right balance? So I do not have the solution for that, even though I think that the search is exactly for that, which is where is it? And while you're looking for it, sometimes you're going to nail it, other times you're going to fall more to the left or more to the right, but at least you're looking for it. So you're not in any extreme and you're not afraid of what's new. You just adapt to it. And, and I think this is a lot of what, uh, you know, what we, we're doing in BGA. We're not this rigid structure that, okay, this is what we are. No, we're still figuring that out. I mean, I think we know who we are in terms of being flexible, but then this has to change if you're flexible you need to change and adapt to what's new so i'm 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 100 sure that technology is is a major part of takes you know plays a, a a huge role in education today but maybe maybe sophia digging a bit deeper on on it i think probably the main concerns from 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 parents, let's put it this way. I'm also a father of three boys. And quite often, uh, I do have mixed feelings between uh, actually the usage they, they, they do. And actually, it's not only kids. I think even adults probably <laughs> fall on the same. Um, do you think we have learned already how to balance the benefits of technology in our lives and maybe here maybe i'm i'm probably talking more about mobile phones than anything else uh probably because they are more recent and the other devices have been around for a longer time um how, how do you see these uh little devices in everyone's pocket that basically have the world inside but at the same time seem to be so um hard to handle i don't know what are your thoughts on it I think that it, it all has to do with, um, again, how you use it. So the problem is not the phone itself. And, and thank God you didn't talk just about kids and you also talked about adults, because if you go anywhere, you just see people, people are not looking around anymore. They're just looking, staring at their phones and social media and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. But give, these people a purpose give them something else to do and you will see how easily you put your phone down 
So I think a lot of the times this, this phone just fills their void. I used to deal with this boy that was addicted to gaming. And when I spoke to him about this addiction, he would always say, the problem is not the computer. The problem is me. I never forgot about this sentence. So the issue is not social media. The issue is not technology. The issue is the void that so many people have uh, that they fill with, with, with social media. You know, and once yeah. you and once you fill it with something else, you know, if if they find purpose, and that's why I say education saved my life because suddenly I found a purpose. My life sort of, and look, I was a mom by then, so it's not that you know. And and I've always done interesting things, and I loved everything I've always done, but suddenly that had a purpose, and that filled my my life with meaning you know so i think that's the biggest issue and maybe that's why you have so many people now you know wanting to do retreats and and spirituality people are looking for that mm -hmm. for that for that meaning you know for that purpose it's super interesting i think it will stick out of our conversation this line you just mentioned the, the problem is not the phone the problem it's me i think it's uh, <laughs> quite quite a punch in the stomach Anyway, thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree with you, Sophia. I believe we have the power within ourselves to change that. But don't you think it's kind of an unfair game since there, there are like this, the most brilliant engineers, the smartest guy or, guys and girls on earth are doing their best to keep us on our phones? Yeah. Is that yeah. a fair fight? I mean, um, I'm just being, being provocative. Um, is it, I mean, is it really fair to expect our kids and ourselves, by the way, to be strong enough to deal with that? Can we really trust our purpose to do that? Yeah, I think the word unfair is very honest, is, is very true. And let me tell you, that is exactly how I've always spoken to kids, you know, when Fortnite started, it was mm -hmm. this huge mess, you know, especially if, if you deal with boys. When it started, it was a, a, a very, very, very big problem, especially because it was designed to get kids addicted, because only mm -hmm. once they were addicted was it interesting from them from a business point of view. But the thing yeah. is, go and tell kids about that, because once yeah. they figure it out, they go, oh, that makes sense. So I need to get control of it instead of allowing it to control me. The problem then is then in our busy, busy lives, you know, we don't have time to, you know, have dinner and meaningful conversations with our kids or go on these walks that you guys provide. And, you know, a, a lot of families go into a restaurant and look around, you know, people yes. want to put their phones in front of their two-year-old kids so they can have dinner on their own, yeah. and, you know, enjoy their glass of wine. And look, I'm not saying this with the judgmental tone, look, I'm not judging this person, but it's not only the engineers that are addicting our kids to the phones. We yeah. are using, and before the phones, it was TV, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, we go always back to the same place, which is give a person meaning, give a person, because that's what everyone says after doing these things is like, oh gosh, after I found, you know, 
a purpose, mm -hmm. meaningful. Everything just changes and, and everyone is, is happier. The, mm -hmm. the issue is going against all odds because as you said, mm -hmm. this is a fair game, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing everything Actually, for us to be addicted. Mm -hmm. And you touched there something which I find really meaningful, which is somehow you need to uh, not attack the kids with this. I mean, don't blame them, don't judge them somehow help them to to really see a different perspective because if you just try to go against it i mean we're probably gonna lose so oh, you're uh, gonna lose. There's, you're, yeah. and and i think that's where a big problem is not only with with parents but with teachers is that the gap between you know uh, uh and again we, there's where's the balance right between mm -hmm. the way well, I wasn't raised like that, you know, but the way my mom was raised, which is her dad was always right and she didn't have a word. Mm -hmm. And then today you also see this so-called positive education where kids rule and kills, kids need guidance. They need some kind of structure they need. And that's the thing, you know, parents are so focused in their lives and in their, in their businesses that they sort of don't have the time or the energy sometimes to say, okay, now I'm going to, you know, put down my phone and have a meaningful conversation with my daughter. And because that's in the end, even though it doesn't look like it, that's exactly what they want. And it's because they don't find that, that they just look for everything in the phones. And then the parents are saying, oh, don't do that. Don't wear that clothes. Why are you talking? They don't understand the apps they're talking about, the music they're talking about. Uh, so there's this generation gap. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. That those those many insights actually hmm. it's been really really helpful. I think. But let me change a little bit the optics, still keeping our mind on education. But uh, you seem very much uh, attracted by a more natural. Uh, let's. I think natural for, is the best word for it. Uh, education and on the same uh, at the same time you keep looking for this new different original and tested approaches so how how do you juggle this to apparently conflicting ideas but actually maybe symbiotic how how do you do that uh in terms of natural way of education, I mean, well, there's the way I live my life personally and, and the way I raise up my boys. I also have three boys in terms of, of, of you know, we don't really much watch TV. We read a lot. We eat everything organic. You know, there's we, we, we sort of have this partnership where, of course, I'm the mom. So in the end, it's my last word, but where I listen to them and it's about respect. And the way you do that, it's not different from when you're in a, in a school that is completely online. And it's really interesting because when Tim invited me to BGA, my first reaction was, what, me in an online school? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I don't believe in that. I believe we are social beings, so we need to be around each other. And, and if this is true for the younger ages, for the older ages, not only do I think the, 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 the system that we've implemented where the learning coaches are with them constantly, and they really 
see them and and know them and and inspire them and guide them so mm -hmm. this does the role of the natural way of of learning if you think about it back in the days you know the philosophers how would they teach they would sit around and they would just discuss ideas it was not about mm -hmm. the master just speaking and no one being able to talk and to express their ideas it was exactly the, the other way around it's when you let people express their ideas and, and opinions that the learning happen and it's all about the learning it's not about the teaching and then when you look at this online system it's where it really allows it to be personalized and individualized which is what i really believe is is wrong with education is that we're standardizing everything we're still back in the industrial revolution it makes sense why it was designed in that way so that there's a reason it was to get to everyone but then it should have evolved. So the problem it, it's that it hasn't evolved. But if you think about it, it's quite natural to be done in this way because it's the fact that it's online that allows it, that everyone takes it at their own pace, that they get to do other things that they're interested about. So online is just a means to an end. The end itself is to allow people to do things that they find meaningful and, and relevant which in the end is the most natural way to educate. So there, these two ideas are per perfectly aligned. You know, I never thought that for you to be in this natural way of education, you need to be teaching in a forest school and war, walk barefoot, you know? Um, mm -hmm. You can, but you can also do that inside a really high-tech classroom. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. It's very interesting. Yeah, you kind of anticipated our next question. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> no, no, that's no, no, really it's perfect. It yeah. can, cannot be, cannot be scripted, so it was amazing. And, and by the way, <laughs> Sophia, maybe this is a great time. Let, let's test the, the concept. Maybe it's a great time for you to give us um, your second song. My second song can be... Imagined by John Lennon. Well, that makes sense, huh? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's listen to Imagine and John Lennon.
flavor and um, well keeping on pr probably what we finished in the in uh, talking in the, in our last question mm, I wonder what are your thoughts on you know the connection between learning well-being and physical activity how do we you know put these three things in the mix and uh, have them you know empowering uh, the students oh my gosh learning, well-being, and physical activity. You know, I think that we go back to balance, right? And you, you, I haven't met a person that doesn't like to, to learn. And if you think about it, learning is empowering, right? Because just today, my youngest son was saying that now he really likes writing essays for English. And this changed because he suddenly discovered the, the pleasure of reading. So because he reads much more, mm -hmm. he reflects much more about things. So he has much more to say when he's writing, not only in terms of his vocabulary, but on his ideas, on his thoughts, on the things he wants to say. So all those things that you just said are connected, right? If I yeah. learn and I know stuff and I'm interested about stuff and I reflect, I feel empowered because I have my own ideas. I have my own thoughts. And this gives me well-being. You know, I feel well about myself. But then this needs to be, I can't be doing this and then just sitting and eating McDonald's all the time because I know McDonald's is not healthy. So it, it sort of becomes um, a matter of, of coherence that you walk the talk, you know? So suddenly yeah. you have to do, you have to move your body and do and do um, physical activities the same way you, uh, you feed and nur nurture your brain with, with information and with, with thoughts and with ideas. Yes. And, and all of this <laughs> produces well-being. <laughs> Makes sense. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Sophia. <laughs> Talking about physical activity, and uh, this was by no means a, a trick question to you, because obviously we do love walking. Um, we would like to ask, do you have a favorite route for hiking? And if you don't, would you like to, to choose one that you would like to try? Uh... 
a favorite route for hiking? Well, I, I live close to Ginshu, so I do this this from, from Ginshu to Casa da Guia, back and forth. I do that a lot of time. I don't know if you would call that hiking. That, for me, is more walking. Uh, it's okay. We're, we have an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did Camino de Santiago. That would be hiking, okay? That mm -hmm. was very, very a very powerful experience. Which uh, Camino did you, did you make? From the north of Portugal till Santiago. We like that yeah. too. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It was really powerful. Just overcoming all of that is, 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 is powerful. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, that's... Um, that's uh, it, it's a great route. Um, Sophia, let's uh, uh, shift the, the needle a little bit. Actually, I think we are about to enter what we usually call our unfair questions. So this might be the first one. <laughs> and um, what we'd like to ask you is that um, if, uh, if you think it's possible uh, for any person uh, regardless of the constraints that uh, uh, they might have uh, in their lives. And this can be either because where they were born or um, the families they were raised or any other reason, you know, constraint, let's put it this way. Is it possible to make a masterpiece out of your life? And if it is, how do you think, how do you envision that to unfold? What does it take to no matter what the constraints you have, you make something special out of your life? Oh, I couldn't believe more that it's possible. And I, I have tons of examples of people that had miserable lives, you know, or everything bad happened to them and they made wonderful things out of their lives. I think it depends on two things. One, you wanting to do that, maybe believing that you can do it. And again, education is really important in that sense. You know, if you tell a child that uh, they can do anything and that's it, you know, uh, children believe they can do anything. They believe they can fly. They can believe they can do magic. They believe... And we take that away from them when we should be encouraging that, not the other way around. And so I really believe it, it only has to do with you believing that you can do differently and then just following that. I really think, I know it's going to sound, I don't know, uh, arrogant maybe that I say, I think it's quite simple. You just choose. It's like, you know, the, the, the glass of water is half full or half empty. It's just mm -hmm. that. And that changes everything. If you think, okay, you know, I've had all this thing behind me, but now this is what I'm going to do with my life, you know, and you have so many examples of that. It's just mm -hmm. about you believing, I think, I think, my, my really humble opinion. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Psychology tend, tends to agree with you. It's what you tell yourself more than what happens to you that matters. So um, it really, and, and again, education makes the whole difference. So um, you, you were talking and you were answering and I was remembering this 
conversation we had with Giuseppe Schick, the, the, the teacher. Yeah. And, and he was telling the story of how his first class he had, which were 15-year-old kids in first grade, and they had been taught that they, that they were unable to learn. So yeah. uh, they, they had been taught that, which is something no one should ever um, be taught because yeah, you know. we all can learn. Yeah. When I when and I started in education, one of the things that impressed me the most, and that was my first really uh, learning point that was a game changer in my life, was I saw so many kids coming into my school very, very damaged, only because people would tell them, like, you're never going to be able how to read. How does a person in education tell this to, tell this to someone else? Because look, we and we're all parents here, and we know we we do a lot of things that are wrong. We make a lot of mistakes because we're learning as we're going along. That's just it. But you yeah. choose to become a teacher. You choose to influence someone's life, and you go and you tell that person you're never going to be able to read or write. You're never going to be anything but a, a, a McDonald's. Um, salesperson so it's why would these people do that and the thing is that until while you're growing up and you're forming your idea about yourself the world works as a mirror so you form your idea about yourself from the information that you receive from the outside now look at the, 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 the 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 responsibility in this even us as parents you're lazy you're the smart guy, you're just, you know, all these things are being printed in this person. So this person at some point will become this, not necessarily because this is who they are, but this is what the outside has been telling them that it's who they are. That's why I say education saved my life. You know, it took me 40 years to get into education and kids saying me, Oh, you're so nice. Oh, you're so sweet. Oh, you draw so well. And I was like, who's this person they're talking about? That was not at all how I saw myself. But I really, (laughs) this is completely true. I really loved the person that they saw. So I, 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 I made it to myself to become that person. So that's why I say it saved my life. I'm a better well, <laughs> a better me because of that. It's true. It's true. It's it's incredible to see how education really helps you to blossom. Uh-huh. Uh, if if uh, properly <laughs> watered, which actually brings us to asking you your third song. Ah, my third song is "The Rose" by Beth Midler, because she talks exactly about loving this seed and I know it sounds and it became sort of uh, um, how do you say it I'm, I'm not finding the word in English Pirozu. how do you say it in English um, uh, corny 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 yes corny that's exactly <laughs> the word I'm looking for it sort of became corny to talk about love but love is really the only seed you know it's the only thing you look uh Children, you know, don't develop if they don't have love. We as adults, you know, don't develop if we don't have love. Absolutely. Plants need love. Animals need love. You know, everyone needs love. So I think it's, uh, that's why I chose this song. All right. Well, let's listen to Beth Midler then. 
Thank you so much for that, Sophia. And uh, following on with our set of unfair questions, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure you're going to do great because you did great with many unfair questions so far. Um, so this is uh, just a provocative thought. Imagine you can embark on any adventure today. I mean, any adventure, no constraints whatsoever. There's nothing stopping you. You can just decide and do whatever you want. What would you do? What adventure would you embark on today? Oh my gosh. Uh, 
I'd love to sail around the world. <laughs> Even though, if you think about it, I'm in this tremendous adventure in my life as, as we're speaking, right? Because what we're doing is, is already a great adventure. Today, I was speaking to a minister of education in another country. I'm not going to talk about it. But she was saying, oh, you know what? But um, I was caught in up. So I thought I was going to talk to someone. And then suddenly I was in this audience. This was all online because it's outside of Portugal. And suddenly I was in this audience with the minister of education from that country. And I was like, oh, gosh, OK, then this is serious. And then she tells me, OK, Sophie, I understand everything you're saying. And it all sounds amazing. But in our school, in our country, uh, uh, online and, and, and hybrid schooling is still not uh, under the, the law. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to give you the, the most plain thing. I'm going to give you the, the plainest information. Like, you have the power to change the law. So just change it. You know, it's, oh, and she said, oh, you make it sound so simple because it is. You know, it's it's just about people doing what 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 it's right and 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 again if you go back to how do people overcome the constraints in, in their life it's about being brave and 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 choosing them so what we need is 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 people brave enough to make you know the decisions that they have to make so i'm already in this tremendous adventure but but if i would think just of me and i i would love to sail around the world. I don't think there's a place in the world I wouldn't love visiting. That sounds great, huh? I, absolutely. You're already quite brave because it's uh, really an adventure what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. I, I found it amazing that you explained to the minister what she should do because actually, <laughs> um, which takes me to another question, probably very much related. What do you think we are missing as humans? I think we're missing, look, we're all a product of this education, right? So mm -hmm. most of us don't trust our instincts and our own ideas. So I think we're, we're missing this, this braveness, you know, people feeling encouraged to follow their, their ideas, their thoughts, their, their dreams, just go after that. Uh, I think people are scared. They don't feel empowered. We always go back to the same things, right? Um, mm -hmm. And 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 uh, the more we encourage diversity, and the more we encourage people to follow their 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 own thoughts, is it going to work? I don't know. You know, people ask me a lot of times, "Do you think this is going to work?" I don't know. I hope so. I believe so. We're doing everything in our power, but that doesn't stop us. The fact that we're not 100% sure, you, you can't know. But if you put everything that you have into it, and if you put all your heart into it, and, and it must work, right? So you just need well, people to yeah. follow that instead of, okay, I always say that, you know, and, and again, going back to the, the walking mentorship, the path, um, opens itself in front of you but a lot of people wait for the entire path to be there and once you <laughs> see the entire path and you know where you're going 
then you decide to walk. But that's not life, you know, you have to walk, even though you have no idea where you're going and where it's taking you, but off you go. That's uh, so uh, beautiful, as you explained, because probably uh, it's probably the, the biggest critique I still have for, let's say, classical traditional school, because I've been in school so many years ago and, uh, well, having three boys, three sons, every year I am either studying uh, history, geography, biology, I'm studying everything again. And uh, I'm surprised that after almost 40 years I left school, things are still being done exactly the same way. Uh, what do I mean with this? Follow this. You don't have much room to think for yourself. And then once you get out and you go to real life, every company in the market, every job, every startup is waiting for you to think for yourself and find a way by yourself. And that's what I probably think that there is really something, I don't know, deeply strange in this story because we are being prepared to do exactly the opposite of your, what you will be asked to do the day you leave school. Exactly. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just a provocation, but that's how I feel it. <laughs> no, but look, that's exactly what got me into education. Because I, I saw that, that sort of incoherence and I felt, my gosh, this is not going to prepare my son for his life. There's got to be other ways. And look, you know what? I found other ways. And all these other ways are not new. What Giuseppe Sheikh was doing is not new. You have Maria Montsor, you have High School, you have Waldorf, you have all these guys. They're all old. Most of them have died. Well, hundred years old, some of them. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Again, people are scared that it might not work, but the way we're doing it is not working anyway. So we might as well try something different. I think now you touched the nerve. The problem with, uh, with not taking the walk is that then you will never get there. Because the, of course, you will never know what's going to happen if you go one way or the other. But if you don't go anywhere, then you, you never get out of where you are. So that's yeah, surely nothing will problem. happen. If you don't no. go anywhere, definitely nothing will happen. But somehow fear seems to be keeping us here. Well, but uh, we are loving this conversation, Sophia. Uh, but we are reaching uh, our last question, which is uh, a classical question we always uh, place to our guests. And uh, I always love the answers, so I'm really looking forward to yours. Not to put any pressure on it, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> if uh, so, the, the invitation is this: Imagine you have a time capsule uh, where you're going to place objects or a message or whatever you want to place inside. It's totally up to you, and you're going to throw it into the universe. Maybe tomorrow, maybe in a million years, someone or something or some some entity is going to find it. What would you put inside your time capsule? Hmm. What would I put in my time capsule? Oh my gosh. We know this is a tough one. <laughs> to make it easy for the goodbye. Uh, 
This has been an amazing trip. Please enjoy yours. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would write something down. This has been an amazing trip. Please enjoy yours. Yeah, I think I would write that down. <laughs> you are going to love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank it's you. Been such a great pleasure. Yes, thank you guys. It was also lovely chatting to you. Thank you. Keep walking with me. It is a podcast inspired by the walking mentorship experience. Step by step, we walk together towards the best version of ourselves. For more information about our mentoring programs, visit our website, walkingmentorship.com.